Welcome to Leader Spotlight. On this podcast, we bring you the stories of leaders, their personal journeys, and put a spotlight on the inspiring things they are doing in their organizations. Hello, everyone. I'm Annette Klazowski, your host. I'm an executive coach, a speaker, a peer advisory board leader, a sports junkie, really, really all things health and fitness, I guess. And of course, as a lot of you know, I'm a dog lover. I also have the privilege of working alongside my co-host and producer, Annie Brown. Annie is a marketing and social media guru. You're an artist, you're creative, you're clever. Annie, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I know. I've been uh, posting a lot of art online ever since uh, I got my iPad. It's like, I can't stop. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> okay. Well that's okay. It, you need, where can they find your art online? You are really, Oh confident. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put well, on the spot. Uh, you can, uh, you can find my art online on Instagram at gross Annie. Uh, I do, uh, I mostly draw zombies. So but they're so clever. They're really clever. So you Aww. do some things for us as well that are really, you're really talented. So we're doing some things on the, um, uh, around tight, the, um, oh, for the think tank. Rise that we're of the hosting. Centaur. Yes. The rise of the centaur. You're doing some artwork for that, which is really fascinating to watch you in your creative process. We should do that sometime. We should do a creative process with an artist and have you talk Ooh. about that that'd be fun that would be fun and yeah the rise of the centaur thing is is going to be really i'm excited for that it's a great theme basically it's talking about how people um can use technology in a positive way uh and you know kind of view partnerships with technology so i'm excited yes well let's get to our guest today we have lakeisha ford with us she is the founder and managing director of ford communications they are a full service communication agency they help operating companies establish their presence and enhance customer relations through pr brand advisory and customer service training she is a 360-degree communication strategist. Her forte is connecting international companies to business and consumer markets in Ghana and Africa at large. We're going to talk quite a bit about that today. And she also supports local companies and initiatives in Ghana to achieve international exposure. Welcome, Lakeisha. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. Good. Good. I'm so glad you are with us today. I love stories like you that really show this courage and grit and adventure. So um, I'm very um, eager to get started. I, I we, People, our listeners love hearing kind of the stories of the leaders, kind of the behind the scenes stories. So um, I know you moved abroad and you're trailblazing a career there and giving back to so many. Kind of start us off when you kind of got that call and that is what you were to do and some of your background. Kind of lay a little bit of foundation before we really start talking about what it is you do. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so of course there's always some type of history behind, let's say, what you see on the surface. So if I were to give a bit of my history, first I'd start, I'd start by saying, um, well, my family is from Jamaica, um, they're from Jamaica and they migrated to the States in the 80s. So I am first generation American born. Um, but I grew up very Jama Jamaican, if you will. 
Um, like I did not have apple pie until I was like 25 years old, you know, just to give you some <laughs> visual. <laughs> right. So I grew up very Jamaican, um, very close to my culture, of course. Um, so with that being said, that almost gave me a foundation in what it meant to be between cultures and to be between places, if you will, um, because we would go back to Jamaica quite often, um, maybe even three times a year to visit family. <clears throat> so from a very young age, I had to start with traveling. Um, it was very, I guess, normal to us. Um, mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily only reserved for vacation. It was um, more so connected to seeing family, being with family. So I had that association with travel from a very young age. Um, I guess to fast forward, I had always loved, um, had a love for history and culture. So during my undergrad years, which was spent at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, um, I one of my first year courses was taught by um, a man um, who teaches in China every year, or he taught in China every year. I don't know if he still does, but basically taught a program at Beijing Language and Cultural University every summer. So he literally recruit from his class to be a part of that program. So I, I think I was like 18 years old. That was my first time going abroad outside of Jamaica. Um, I went to China to learn Chinese Mandarin as well as um, Chinese history. So well, first of all, that's not an easy task. No, it's <laughs> just not. to learn the language. <laughs> Listen, it was difficult. We would spend at least six hours studying on top of um, classes. And that still wasn't enough, <laughs> of course. <laughs> it still wasn't enough. Yeah. So that was um, my first time traveling, I would say, as a young adult. And I loved it. While I was there, I learned a lot about, um, I guess, what we would call, or some people call the Chinese conquest, which is um, China's presence throughout the world. And I kept hearing about China being in Africa. Now, just to give you some reference, this is around 2007. Um, I kept hearing about China being in Africa. So I was like, you know, what is it with Africa? Why are they there? So that kind of sparked my curiosity about the African continent. Um, the next semester, I think it was, no, the next year, um, I did an alternative spring break in Senegal. Um, I went there. That was my first African country. Went and absolutely loved it. It was stunning. It was different. It was 95% Muslim. You know, just to be immersed in a different culture that I, I just love that. Um, people spoke French, you know, so I had to tap into some of my French skills. And interestingly enough, during my primary school years, I went to a French immersed school. So they taught us in French, but our second language was an African language called Wolof. So fast forward, I'm, I'm doing my alternative spring break in Senegal where I have to break out my French, which is not like the best, but <laughs> I break out my French. But I also remember Wolof from my primary school years. 
So I just loved being immersed in the culture. And I said, okay, I'm going to study abroad. During my undergrad years, I had to, I was a double major. I studied economics and international studies. So as an IS major, you have to study abroad for at least a semester. So I was like, okay, I think I'm going to choose an African country. So I chose Ghana. It was between Ghana and South Africa. And I was doing my research and people were like, some were like, oh, South Africa is beautiful. You should totally do South Africa. And then others were like, no, you absolutely have to do Ghana. If you really want to see Africa, you need to do Ghana. So I ended up going to Ghana. Um, I did a semester abroad and that was almost the beginning of, I guess, (laughs) the new part of my history. I always say that was the renaissance of me. Because while I was there so much, I was just enlightened, really. I learned a lot about the place, also about myself. Um, My identity was challenged, you know, those things that happen here. Immersed in a new culture, you have to question certain parts of yourself or even how you think about things. So a lot of that was happening almost constantly when I um, studied abroad. So I... um, while I was there, what I saw with my eyes was just not what the Western media had been reporting about the African continent. So I was like, wait a minute, where are, you know, the safaris and where are the children? And I, I was so ignorant. I was like, you know, I thought I'd only need $100 for the semester. We're in an emerging co- economy, right? Like it was really bad. Funny enough, 2007, Ghana discovered oil off of the coast, of, off of one of their main coasts. So right there, that uh, brought yeah. in an influx of businesses. And 2008 was the year that the U.S.'s economy crashed. So funny enough, when I put when I went to the Forex Bureau and sent and put in $100 expecting way more, I remember getting back 99 Ghana CDs <laughs> that year. Yeah, because Ghana's economy went up and ours was, when I say ours, I'm referring to the United States. It went down that year. So everything that I thought I knew about Africa based on, you know, what was fed to me through the media was absolutely challenged. It was annulled, like it was annulled and void, if you will. So that idea of wanting to tell the truth about the um, the African continent, or at least I should say Ghana, and share a wholesome narrative that stuck with me. The idea of storytelling um, that stuck with me, and I always said that I would go back or come back to Ghana. So that is basically how I got my start. I said I would come back, and I did. And this is how Ford Communications was born. It's really about sharing stories properly. That's fascinating. You know, I travel a lot uh, for mm-hmm. business and just personal as well, but I've never lived abroad. So mm-hmm. it's it's always intriguing to me. Um, and I've had lots of friends and colleagues that have done that. You know, they'll move their families and or they'll go before, you know, they have families. And so it's intriguing to me. Talk a little bit about just the mindset you need to live abroad. Because 
um, like you said, you're immersing yourself into a different culture. We're going to get to business here in a minute, but like just the mindset of doing that. Right. Now, thankfully, because I had did a little bit of travel before studying abroad, um, you know, I was almost conditioning myself um, to be in a different space a different space that held a culture different from mine. Um, but what I will say is what I gathered from those experiences, the mindset that you need to have is that you literally are going to another place. And I, I guess I'll just speak from my context because nationally I'm American. So like coming to another country, it is not America. You cannot expect that it's going to um, deliver the same way America does. Each country has its own history, its own customs, its own economic situation, you know, that almost feeds into the microcosms of experiences, like the micro experiences that you'll have. And the mindset that you need to have first for traveling is, you know, just really being open to learning about other cultures, but not in a way that is, um, what's the word, uh, commercial or, you know, um, condescending or not in a way that is, um, there's a, a better word, but what I'm trying to say is where you would other, almost otherize what you're looking at and almost take it in as your entertainment you know, mm-hmm. rather than opening your mind to really just understand how people just truly are and accepting, accept, accepting them for that and um, opening yourself up to conversation for understanding rather than coming with a mindset that, hey, this is how things need to be done. You know, you guys need to do things this way. Usually that this way is equated to, you know, a very American Western way. Um, So that is important to, you know, almost check yourself on how you're um, consuming or how you're immersing yourself into the culture? Are you doing it in a way that's very um, um, separate from the people? You know, you're taking pictures of everything. Think about it. If someone came to your neighborhood and they just started taking pictures, would you be okay with that? Um, You know, if someone came to your neighborhood and they saw you on your lawn sitting, would you be okay if they came up to you touching your hair? You know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So really putting yourself in, I guess, in the shoes of other people and and really respecting them for who they are. Um, I think that's important. So that's for travel. And that's also important for living abroad as well. Um, I think because there's a lot of, a lot going on in the U.S., many people are thinking about travel or living abroad as a reaction to what's happening in the States. And the truth is, you know, you can go to another country and each country has its own issues. So with that, it's important to, it's important to, you know, just really be open to that country. Um, I wouldn't say only come over, only be driven by, you know, the business business aspirations or business opportunities. 
Um, but come and, and I would say you should travel to any country that you want to live in first. See how it feels, see how you feel, how the people feel, how the environments feel to you. Can you really mesh with the environments as much as you are being open to a new culture? Is it okay for you? You know, do do you have some non-negotiables that you realize that, hey, if I lived here, I'd be compromising on this every single day, you know, and that's just reality. So in light of, you know, all of the I would say heavy climate or the heavy atmosphere in the United States, I would not recommend people moving as a reaction to what's happening in the States. Take your time and be curious first. Well, it's, it's interesting because the exact same thing that you were saying about the mindset of being in a different country or living abroad is exactly the struggle people are having just living in their own country, the U S you know, we, we we aren't open-minded. We don't try to really learn and understand. We don't, you know, think, well, if, if, if it was turned and that was my neighborhood or that were, you know, my neighbors or my family. So it's interesting you say that because, um, I've always heard that saying, um, no matter where you are, there you are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's like you, you take the person and so you're speaking to a lot of self-reflection and a, a lot of self-awareness that happens um, when you travel and I'm sure live abroad. You, you really brought into a lot of that self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you almost do yourself a disservice if you don't, if you are not aware and if you don't take the time to question your own thinking and your own biases and your own, um, I would say, gaps of um, misunderstanding, you know, like things you don't know. If you if you don't take your time to find out or ask yourself those things, you could miss great opportunities to learn and really be, be enriched by the country that you visit. Yeah. Well, let's shift to business. So, you know, you are working with, you, you have the, you know, the um, benefit and privilege of working with um, several companies because of your consulting agency. So you probably have been able to see a lot. Talk a little bit just about the business climate and kind of your perspective on businesses. And, and maybe we speak to U.S. businesses, although they could be global, um, why there should be an Africa strategy and kind of speak a little bit more to that. Absolutely. Um, Many people describe Africa as the last frontier (laughs) because most countries are, if you will, saturated. They're already established. They have have systems that are already established, um, industries that are already established. Some of them are even oversaturated. Whereas on the other end, um, the continent of Africa is made up of 54 different countries but many of them are developing countries, or if not all, really. Um, they're developing countries and emerging economies, which means that the saturation of each industry is like very low, very minimal competition. Um, of course, that comes with its trade-offs because there are systems that you know maybe we're used to in the States that don't exist. Um, or they're very underdeveloped. 
So, you know, it's a bit of a trade-off, but the idea is, is that you can come and figure out a gap or see a gap and fill the gap more easy or more easily than you could if you were in like a, a UK or USA. Mm-hmm. So um, emerging markets are just everywhere on the African continent. I literally know of a case study here, a success story here is a young lady. She supplies fire extinguishers. If you start a business or a restaurant or you're moving into your apartment or your home, you're going to need a fire extinguisher. There may be, I can count on one hand how many fire extinguisher suppliers there are. And she has come and just dominated in that industry. And it's just like, who would, who would have ever thought? And she's doing really well, you know? So this yeah. is just a small example of, you know, what the possibilities are. Um, I will also say that according to um, really many news sites, um, Africa by 2030 is expected to grow. Um, the population is, is expected to be 1.7 billion. So, yeah, the idea that there's going to be almost like a spike in population and, um, you know, the the you it's I think it's the youngest continent, if you will. It's mm-hmm. the youngest continent. So the idea is if if Africa is the youngest continent and there's opportunity or space within industries, you know, there's a lot that you can do regarding um, creating businesses and also training up, you know, the, the younger population, if you will. Um, it, it just truly is the future for those reasons. It truly is the future. Um, two of the fastest growing economies are on the African continent. Ghana and Ethiopia, de- depending on which, you know, publication you read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, what, but those countries, they've been doing really well. Yeah. What's the workforce like there? I mean, is, you know, is there plenty of workers? Are they trained or right. like, what are you seeing there? Right. So, I mean, I could sing Africa's praises all day, but the truth is, like I said, there are some trade-offs. And if I'm just transparent and honest with you, um, the workforce, it's vibrant, as in it's very young. It's excessive. There are a lot of people who are, you know, work-ready, who are college graduates. However, the unemployment is quite high. And I would say that's throughout the African continent. Um, The unemployment is quite high. And if I were to go a little bit deeper into the experience of working with um, locals here, you know, they are very, they're very keen on their work. However, I would say because there's not that much opportunity, they may have maybe more than one job which means that they won't be as focused on one job or won't be as committed to one job um, as maybe someone would expect an employee to be. And of course, if you're looking at the bigger picture, it's like, okay, this job is not paying you enough, so you have to have two. So Mm -hmm. then you have a family to feed and you need to get home 
and the you know so it's just there are these different things i guess contributing factors to um to people or the workforce not being as i would say committed as you would probably expect that is a challenge i would say that that definitely is a challenge here is is trying to get proper talent on the ground yeah which is one of the reasons why we do training because it was just like okay it's not enough to do business how can we also almost give back or support the local economy you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well i think it's very normal when you have an emerging economy or even just a sector um, it does take a while to get the workforce foundation in place um, at times. And then sometimes you, you, you know, you kind of over-engineer that workforce and then you have too many that are primed and you've kind of out, out um, did your punt coverage. But um, talk about Ghana, because I know that's where you are. You're, you're in Ghana. Yeah. That's where your business yeah. is. So what's it like to do business in Ghana? Right. So to do business in Ghana, what I will say, it's very unconventional. So the system is that there is almost no system. So the way we would, let's say in the States, go online, apply for a job, get a get an interview. And then based on the interview, you know whether or not you got the job. Um there's a little bit of a different approach. Those formal approaches do exist, don't get me wrong, but then it is very much about who you know in Ghana. You can come to Ghana with resources, with investment, and if you don't have the right connections, you could literally just make unwise decisions and you could literally make unwise investments. So your network in Ghana is absolutely important to your experience here. It's important to how fast and how high you go. Um, and that can also, you know, be on the other end. So I would say doing business in Ghana is very people focused. It's not even about what you know. It's not even about how qualified you are, unfortunately. It's about your network. Who knows who where are they? Are they in a position to support you? Are they in a position to, you know, vet you or validate what you're doing? Um, these are the things that matter on the ground. So as much as, you know, doing business may seem straightforward, you do very much have to have a proper networking place. And for me doing business, because I've been coming for so many years, thankfully, you know, I've grown my network, I've developed it. So I'm able to connect with people within society when I need things or when things have to get done. Um, so yeah, and, and just to kind of share an example of that, I have never marketed my business. All of my clients have been word of mouth. And that's not necessarily something that I'm bragging about. It's not a brag because it's bad. We actually should be marketing at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the idea is that we have been able to um, be referred, you know, through people we know and through projects that we have done this entire time over the past three and a half years. 
So um, this is just an attestment or an example of what I mean. Like, it's really who you know. Um, and there have been times where I have not gotten contracts because someone has a better relationship with the <laughs> decision maker than I do. Yeah. You know, that's, that's also a part of it. So, you know, it could be a bit frustrating. I'm not going to take the ultimate poise about it. It could be a bit frustrating, but that is just the truth of the matter. It's, you know, your network is absolutely important. Um, let's see what else labor. Like I said, that's the, that's a difficult part too. Um, in, in Ghana, when you're doing business, you know, you have to be slow to hire, fire fast, Mm -hmm. slow to hire, fire fast. And if you don't, you run the risk of literally messing up your operations or your business. Um, and you know, it's a bit tough because, you know, you do want to support people. You do want to do personal development or professional development, but at the same time, you just have to know what it is that your business needs and properly, you know, properly support yourself by making the right decisions based on the talent. And then sometimes there's also an opportunity because things are so virtual now, you know, we, we have had um, volunteers from U.S. Um, universities that volunteer um, by internship, you know, virtually. And it works, mm-hmm. and, you know, and they get to say, yeah, I did some work, you know, for a project happening in Ghana, even though I'm sitting in D.C. So, yeah, yeah well, let me ask you, if, there, if there's somebody listening and kind of like the, the person that brought fire extinguishers over in, because right now I think there's a lot of U.S. companies really looking to pivot or, you know, what is their strategy moving forward? So mm-hmm. if somebody is sitting there thinking, hey, I really do think that I'd like to expand in Ghana, what, it, like, do they need a presence there? Is there a trust? You know, where do they even start to make a connection to really start meeting people if they don't live there? Like, what, what would you suggest? Um, LinkedIn is your friend. Social media is your friend. That's how we connected. Now. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> you told me about you guys. So yeah, LinkedIn is your friend. Um, if you see someone do it, and of course it depends on the industry, not all industries would be the same, but um, I would say definitely connecting with people who are in an industry that you're possibly interested in, or, you know, even some, there are so many conferences about, you know, moving to Ghana or the, the African diaspora, even though you may not even, you know, let's say if you're not a part of the African diaspora, you should, you should by all means tap into the conversation, you know, get some insight about what it's like to move back, hear what the people have to say, what are the pain points? You know, this is a good opportunity. Those are also good opportunities to um, to get to gain information. Um, that's that's really one of the main ways. And of course, if you would have linked up with someone digitally and you keep the relationship, check in here and there. Maybe when it's their birthday or you see that there's it's their child's birthday. You know, you reach out. By all means, when by time you come to Ghana, you already have someone in your network. Yeah. By all means, they'll meet up with you. By all means, they'll. And if they're meeting up with you, of course, I'm going to like to have a good time. They're not just meeting up with you to just 
meet up with you alone. They're going to say, hey, come over and have lunch. Or there's this thing that happens every Thursday. Why don't we go? And then you get to network and meet people that are in their circles as well. Um, So of course that's in the physical, but right now with the giving, I guess, conditions, I would say social media is your friend. Go ahead and network online, send emails, you know, do introductory calls, speak to people, get insight that way. Yeah, that's good. Or they can call you. That is your, your really help people with the PR and brand advisory. And um, and so you said it. That's right. You'd be a great resource. And I think just being in the U.S. and, you know, having a career and then moving abroad and kind of trailblazing, you're you're probably really good with that. Well, what I'll say is what I'm grateful for is I can say that my business culture, my innate business culture is very American first. And for that reason, when I do get clients that are from the States, it's like we're speaking the same language, you know, so I can relate to people um, based on where they're from. And I can also relate to people here in Ghana because I've been coming for the past 12 years and I've connected. So, um, yeah, by all means, you know, if people are interested about, you know, in doing business in Africa, they should definitely contact us at Fort. Would love that. Well, Lakeisha, we end every show by asking our guests who are there for. So, you know, the saying, it says, show me your closest friends, your colleagues and mentors, and I will show you your future. And so our listeners love really getting the, because there's a lot of resources. Sometimes they're, you know, not necessarily somebody they know personally. It might be somebody that has a book or a podcast or something different. So on that note, who are your four? Absolutely. And I love this question. Um, I would say my four digital mentors slash digital leaders right now. Um, number one, my leak teal. My leak teal is the founder of um, a business called Curlbox. Curlbox is a subscription service that basically helps women um, test different um, beauty products, hair products for natural hair. So, so, and of course this is more so geared, this is geared towards women of color. So Mm -hmm. with that, that service, people can literally, I think it's like $20 a month and you get to sample so many different types of um, hair products that would generally cost like $30, $40 each. So it's ingenious. This curl box service is ingenious. In In addition to the business being great, um, my leak till herself, she's such a grinder. She's such a hard worker. And one of her main purposes, she talks about, about this all the time is that she wants to give back to women and people really in ways that she wasn't able to receive. So mm-hmm. she didn't have anyone mentoring her while she was coming up, um, to show her the way, show her the ropes. Um, she literally uses her platform to do that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love when people do that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I love that about my league. And just to keep moving, um, second one I would say is Dana Chanel. Um, funny enough, she is a serial entrepreneur. 
Um, they build, wow, she, they do so much. So they have a, a tax service, a service that like helps people do their taxes. Mm-hmm. And, um, she has an online beauty store. Um, I think they have like over 8 million subscribers to their app. She helped companies build apps. Um, so they have a lot of things going on. I know they're buying up a lot of real estate in Philadelphia as well. Um, so they're getting into real estate. So they do a lot of different things. And I love Dana Chanel because she has almost a similar background like mine. Um, and it's it's really about the quote, you know, if you don't come from a rich family, a rich family must come from you. Mm-hmm. And I identify with that so much because, as you can see, there are a lot of things that are very new that I can't say anyone in my family has done before. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a great family. Everyone is super hardworking. If there's any stereotype that I'm okay with is that Jamaicans are hard workers and we always like take pride in what we do. <laughs> so I took, you know, I took that from my family, but no one has come to Africa to start a business, to build a legacy company. No one has done that. So I glean from, you know, Dana Chanel very much for that mm-hmm. very reason. Now, just to move on, the third one would be Alex Wolf. First of all, I think you ladies would love everyone that I'm talking about. But Alex Wolf has a special place in my heart because Alex Wolf is a tech anthropologist. She's a tech philosopher, literally a tech philosopher. So she studies the way tech affects behavior, how, how we change based mm-hmm. on technology being our new medium. So let's say social media being our new medium, you know, what are the new behaviors that have come out of that? How are we interacting with it? What are the effects it's having having on us? How are we interacting with each other because of the technology? So I love Alex Wolf for that. You guys should absolutely check her out. Um, the last one, the fourth one would be Mastin Kip. Mastin Kip is a trauma coach and I'm so much more. I'm sure I'm not even doing his title justice, but basically if you have, let's say a lot of internal things or maybe not even a lot, but internal things or trauma that you need to overcome or heal from, Mm -hmm. or maybe you're not even aware that you do, I would definitely recommend everyone go and check out Mastin Kip. Um, You know, he'll help you become more, more aware or he'll help you become aware in ways that you didn't even know you needed to be. Yeah. Oh, those are great. I know this yeah. is the part where I just take lots of notes because I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I need to go check this person out. Because, so yeah. thank, you. thank you for sharing and thank you for choosing to be with us today. It was great to connect with you again. And I just love how we can be on different continents, but um, we connected through social media. So it's a very powerful tool. And as always, you are inspiring. And I hope that people will connect with you. We'll put ways that they can connect with you in the, the notes um, in our podcast so that they can reach out to you. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Awesome. And again, thank you so much, Annette, for taking the time. I'm so excited to meet you and know you. And I love, again, like you said, that we met online. And, you know, I'm just hoping that this is the beginning of a lot more to come. So thanks for having me. 
Annie here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leaders Spotlight. Make sure to visit our website, AnnetteKlazowski.com forward slash Leaders Spotlight, where you can find resources mentioned on this show, as well as past episodes. Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leaders Spotlight.